Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vanoy. Hey, hey. And here for like the his sweet 13th appearance, probably. Uh, it would be the the one and the only Brad. We don't even have to say his last name. Even though Brad Wagner is on the podcast frequently, we're going back old school. To Lominick. Yes. Come on. Come on, people. <laughs> there he is. Clapping <laughs> for myself. Clapping for myself. It's 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 been a it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It has. It has. Uh, so I, I thought um, you forgot about me, Todd. I mean, I I, I had to remind you trying to change you. the world. Right. Thank you, Chandler. <laughs> I well, said, who was that guy who kind of used to look like Uncle Fester and now looks like Vin Diesel? Who is <laughs> who is that? Who's our friend? <laughs> yes. That went through that I, transformation. I, 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 I keep getting people who will say, I looked you up online and there's some pictures still that exist that you should probably have removed. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. Like, how do you actually remove, remove pictures from Google? I don't know. I don't, I need Todd Atkins on that. Cause he knows the dark arts. I know a guy. <laughs> he knows a guy <laughs> who knows a guy. Guarantee you. Guarantee you do. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for having me back. Thanks for having me back. I mean, I'm, I'm honored. I, I don't even, I'm, I'm speechless to be back on the five leadership questions podcast. Cause well, when we started this thing, Todd, like nobody listened. I, it was, and now there's a lot of people who listen. It is, I can't remember how old it is now. It's probably five years old, four or five years old. Yeah. And right. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you and Barnabas and, uh, you guys were, tearing it up and you had seven listeners <laughs> I'm, here's here's i'm gonna tell everybody a secret right now so this is how 5lq became 5lq everybody knows that we did it because i hate to write and barnabas was constantly bugging me to write and, True. and then mm-hmm. um chandler knows that now because he's like can you get another can you do more than a white paper a year for me please um but it is uh it was it was that reason but then once we started we started out with uh we played the Barnabas's dad card so we we had John Piper John Perkins which we just went ahead and established hey you know what you're not going to peg us down <laughs> yeah you you won't know which which fist hits you on this <laughs> no. <podcast. laughs> no uh and then so what happened was we uh, I did, I, I may have read into the algorithms of, um, of the podcasting, uh, and figured it out a way. And so we, we launched it number one. I mean, first of all, we had, you know, John Piper, John Perkins, and, uh, I want to say, um, Dave Ramsey was in there at some point. Wasn't well, okay. So what happened was it was either, uh, Ferguson or, um, Long story short, um, uh, which is hard for me to do sometimes, but uh, it, what happened was uh, we dropped several episodes uh, all at once, which is what you do yes. if you want to launch well. Uh, and so we hit number one. And then I called you and good old Brad. He knows a guy. He knows a guy <laughs> named Dave Ramsey. <laughs> 
And you sent him an email that was like, hey, these guys have the number one podcast on uh, in Christianity on iTunes. Right. In religion and Christianity on iTunes. It's a trending blah, blah, blah. Uh, you should have them. Uh, you should be on their podcast. And he said, oh, excellent. I have uh, actually I have an opening um, this Friday because you guys are in town. And Barnabas and I went over and recorded at the studio with Dave. And so from then on out, it was it right. was bonkers because it was the time in history where you had a bunch of podcasts and then kind of podcasting went away. Uh, it was before the big comeback of podcasts. And so we were in that. We launched at just the right time, I think, with a great format. And so it went, man. It was awesome. And it's yeah. still going. And it's still going. Still going. And hey, we just way, refreshed. Yeah, we did. Right. Well, here, here's here's the lesson. Here's one of the lessons for all of you who are aspiring to be thought leaders. And I put that in quotations. <laughs> all, all, everybody who's got a book coming out or you've got, you know, you've got something you're trying to promote or you want to you want to get favor with people or instant credibility. If you have a podcast and you email people to be on your podcast, that is a shortcut to many people who would say no to you with any other request actually saying yes, because there's so many people out there who will say, sure, I'll do that compared to will you endorse my book? Will you, will you promote me on social media? Well, you know, whatever the request is. So that the, I mean, you're, you're, you're saying that tongue in cheek, I know Todd and with, with some, with some uh, humor in it, but it really is true. Like when you ask people to be on your podcast, because what you're doing is you're letting them be the hero and, and, you know, most people, they can find time to, to promote something that they're doing right through your platform. So anyway, it just, it's, it's a lesson of don't ask somebody to, for a big ask without having something you can add value to them through. And a podcast is a great way to do that. Even if you got seven listeners. <laughs> right. Right, right. Well, that was really awkward, Chandler. I thought, I thought you were going to say something. You know how this works. You have a podcast now. We do. Chandler, Chandler's a big time podcaster. Big he is. Podcaster. He has an unseen leadership. I decided to, to send an email to Brad Lominick. It all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out well. It all, all right. worked out well. Uh, we do want to thank you guys uh, for listening and do um, share us with a friend or two. Or and leave us a rating and review and then pick up somebody else's phone and leave us another rating <laughs> and review. We'd love that. All right. Uh, let's get on to our first question. Who or what has been the greatest leadership influence in your life, present company excluded? <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say the two of you, no question, or Lifeway Resources in general. Of course. Of have, course. Have, you know, but that that would be that would be buttering up. That would be brown nosing. This is a, this is a hard question, guys. This is one of those questions that is so big that it's hard to come up with an answer. So I'll, I'm going to give you some some seasonal answers. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I like that. Seasonal answers. More recently, in this season of my leadership journey, it's been podcast. It really has been hmm. uh, the 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 the, pot, the ability for you to to become a student of any of any person, of a topic category. It's, it's amazing. Like how many options we have right now, obviously for free, 
that you can really, you know, do the work. As Seth Godin says, you can spend 150000 to go to graduate school, or you can spend nothing if you're willing to work at curating your own classroom. Mm. So that for me more recently has been a game changer in terms of my leadership. Yeah. Um, if I look, if I look back at, you know, 20 years ago, just because we're in 2020, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been uh, John Maxwell, especially in the early two thousands, just because of working as part of his organization. And when we started catalyst and all the conferences we were doing and sort of, launching John's world as a thought leader and leadership voice. Um, before that in my, in the nineties, it was a guy named Bob Foster who, as you've probably heard the story was the 75 year old cowboy who started a place called Lost Valley Ranch that I spent several years working as a, as a dude wrangler <laughs> and playing cowboy <laughs> right after college and, you know, it, we, we did scripture memory together. He was, he mentored me, you know, my twenties spiritually were shaped in many ways by him. So, uh, those would be the three seasons from, from the who side, or I'm sorry, from, you know, with, with the what of podcasts and the, uh, and the who of John Maxwell and Bob Foster senior, uh, there's a gentleman named Pep Jackson, who is another who that has really probably transcended all those years, the last 20 plus years. And people don't know Pev's name, but he is one of the most connected leaders I know in the world. And Pev taught me how to, I would say, navigate relationships well and be a, be a good connector and really be somebody who thought about that person and, you know, approach relationships with the idea of my job is to build the bridge and really get to know them and just understanding like how to curate conversation and how to really connect deeply with people. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole premise of being a connector compared to a networker, that was, that was one of the great lessons for me that Pev taught me. So those were a few. Talk about that sorry for to, a moment. Sorry, um, sorry to be, sorry to give you so many. No, no, no. Talk about that for a moment though. Um, especially for, I, I think, younger listeners or, you know, jaded Xers or <laughs> uh, other people that, that might be listening, the difference between a networker and a connector, because there's, yeah. there's a distinct difference, but I, w I would love for you to break that down because most people miss that. Huge difference. Huge difference. Networkers are all about, or if I'm a networker, I'm all about me. So the goal of the transaction, and it really is transactional as a networker, is that I'm going to get something out of this. And you might get something out of this engagement, but I'm really going to get something out of it. A connector, it's all about, it's all about the other person. Now, I probably will still get something out of it as a connector, but that's going to be secondary. So if you just look at the, the baseline of networking versus connecting, networking is all about you. Connecting is all about others. And, you know, as somebody who is a connector, my job is to put people together and then let, let the power of the relationship or the interaction or engagement be really built between them. And at some point they might come back and go, man, remember when Lominick connected us like seven years ago at that thing, <laughs> we were standing in the back room at that conference and 
he introduced us and told us we needed to know each other. And now we're business partners. And now we've written four books together. And now we've launched, you know, several podcasts. I mean, that's a connector is somebody who, who always has the mindset and the eyes and ears to say, I'm going to help you. And I, you know, it, it, it really is selfless and, and a servant mindset and posture. Uh, it, it has deep spiritual dimensions to it. I mean, the, yeah. the, the person of Jesus and, and the people of the scriptures, I think are true connectors. So that's what I want to be. I mean, I want to be somebody who, that my, my, uh, my intentions are always towards helping somebody else. And we, again, we know this is true. Like if, if, if what's the Zig Ziglar quote, I'm forgetting it, but if you help other people get what they want, you'll always get what you want or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So <clears throat> that's a little bit of the, of the breakdown and, and Peb again, you know, just as a, as a personal story of someone who I watched do this, you know, like he taught me that anytime you go in and meet with somebody and this, you know, in the early two thousands guys, I was working for a magazine uh, or late, late nineties, early two thousands, like, you know, 90, 98, 99, I was working for a magazine called life at work. And we were my, one of my jobs was to go in and try to get high level CEOs and people who, who are really important to actually be interested in us doing a story on them in the magazine or connecting the dots or so I was, I was having to connect with people that were like 10 X or hundred X of their level of importance of influence of me. I mean, I'm a knucklehead, nobody. <laughs> and I would walk into these offices and it's the classic case of the CEO who says, who is this? Who, who introduced me to them? Oh, Peb, Peb called and said, you should, you should connect with Brad. What's his last name? Limerick? Lamonic? Who is this clown? Okay. We're going to give him 10 minutes, right? So I got 10 minutes. And for that 10 minutes, all I wanted to do was pepper them with questions and show my interest level. And then they would, and this was, this is a difference between a networker and a connector. A network would, would walk in and go, I got 10 minutes. I better get it all out on the table. A connector is, it takes the long game. And so I'm just there to ask questions. And, and then 10 minutes goes by, the assistant comes in and he's waving at that assistant going, get out of here. Like, I like this guy. I'm going to give him 10 more minutes. And then 20 minutes turns into 30 and 30 turns into an hour. And finally he says, he says, Bart, uh, no, it's Brad, uh, Bart, uh, Bill. No, it's Brad. Uh, hey, would you come back tomorrow? Man, I just, this has been so engaging. And, and the power of that conversation was that, that he did all the talking Yeah, and I was just simply there to be a good question asker. So the curiosity factor questions, all of that goes into being a good connector. And it's, it's, and again, it's the long game. I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and go, well, if I come back tomorrow, I'm really going to, I'm going to pitch you on something, you know, I'm going to get what I want. No, I'm, I'm going to take the long game of relationship building. I'm, I'm trying to build equity compared to just creating a transaction. I remember you, I think this was on the Unseen Leadership Podcast. It might've just been in a conversation you and I had, Brad, but I remember you talking about when you show up and you get time with somebody that you've always wanted to sit down with is that question aspect. But you you mentioned always have a notebook that's open and you're taking notes. Yes. And just even that posture of just saying what you're saying is is going to impact my life so much that I want to take notes on the questions that I'm asking. I thought that, that stuck yeah, with they, me. 
that what you say matters. And even if you get your phone out, you know, you, you never will offend somebody by saying, Hey, is it okay if I take notes on what you're saying right now? Cause this is really <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Like no, nobody's ever said, no, I would rather you not. I mean, you just, you, you just honored them. You just built credibility. You just, you just made a deeper connection with somebody um, compared to, again, what you said, Chan, or like, if we get that one chance, I mean, how many times have we heard from leaders we respect and admire that they say, one thing I would tell young leaders is when they show up, ask more questions. Don't tell me everything you know. Right. I mean, if, if you really want to hear what I have to say, if I do have some value to offer you as a as an older, wiser sage, and you got 20 minutes with me, it might help if you ask me the questions instead of you just telling me your testimony. <laughs> to- totally. And I think you say more to that person by asking, you express more of your expertise and deep knowledge by asking insightful questions than you would if you tried to tell them everything. Exactly. Exactly. That Yes, such a great point. On this podcast, we equip our listeners with the absolute best resources to help their churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue or perhaps a new one that you own, I would encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so that you can launch strong, be reproductive, and thrive in your community. For over 25 years, they've partnered with church planters and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, and effective portable church solutions so that you and your team can stay focused on the thing that really matters, and that's building disciples. If you want to see what this looks like, visit portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Let's move to the next question here. What is your favorite leadership failure story? Mm. Now, are you are you implying that I've had a leadership failure? <laughs> Maybe there might be a few or that you can pull I, from. Might, been a, might have been a time on the ranch where <laughs> you know, right? Yes, uh, and, and and I'm I'm assuming that this was a failure of mine, not of Todd's, because I got plenty of Todd Atkins failures. <laughs> well, that I'll I take that share. offline later. <laughs> we can do that. Right. That's that's for the uh, that's for the the uh, the other podcast that's launching soon. Yes. Todd, yes. Todd Todd's book of failures. Yeah, <laughs> uh, together. Yeah. I mean, many people have heard this one, but it is the best leadership failure story for me, which is the Darb story. You guys remember the Darb story, right? Yeah. D-A-R-B story? I do not. So I'm, I'm excited. Oh, okay. <laughs> and this is, I, I thought I'd, I, I tell it so much. I, I've, I assume that everybody knows it. Um, so this is, you know, this is 2012 uh, at the height of, at the height of the catalyst engine that was humming at that time. You know, the conferences were selling out and, and we, we were up into the right, but man, I was starting to decay. Hmm. I was, I was not a good leader. I was, I was uh, cynical. There was just, there was a lot of stuff going on in me that was not healthy. And it, you know, it wasn't burnout. I wasn't like doing stupid stuff, um, illegal stuff or anything that would have, that it would have dis- disqualified me, but I just wasn't in a good place. And we went to Dave and Buster's as a team because we had hit some big milestone that we were trying to hit, you know, sold out event or I'm not even sure what it was, but we went to Dave and Buster's, took the whole team. So there's 20, 20 of us or so. And we're playing the ski ball and the hoop shoot, you know, all day long. And of course we're very competitive. So everybody's into it and we got a lot of tickets. 
a lot of tickets from the old uh, ski ball and hoop shoot. So the, we, we, we gather all the tickets and we've got, we got enough to, you know, there's a pretty significant item that's going to be purchased in the game area. They, I mean, the, the store at, at Dave and Buster's. So the team goes and figures out what they want to buy in the store. And of course I'm important. So I've got a phone call to make, or, you know, I gotta, I gotta talk to somebody really influential or so I'm, I'm off making a phone call. Well, they, they, I get off the call. They come to me, they've got this bag. Hey, we bought you something. Great. So inside this bag is uh, two items. The first item I pull out and it's, it's an angel doll. Like a, literally a doll that they bought at Dave and Buster's that looks like an angel. With the little <laughs> ring above head. And they said, uh, that's you. Thank you so much for letting us have a day to celebrate. We love working for you. You're the best. We were, we wouldn't, we would rather be on your team than anybody else's. This is amazing. Just appreciate who you are. Great. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, of course there's a second item. The second item is, is a Satan doll. Now, again, why does Dave and Buster's have Satan dolls, <laughs> devil dolls at, in, in the, in the store that you can purchase after a ski ball? Uh, but I pulled that one out and I'm like, well, what is this? And they said, that's Darb. And I said, who's Darb? And they said, that's your nickname. And I said, what, what does that mean? They said, that's Brad backwards. And that's the name we've had for you the last year. And of course it's like the record when the record scratches, you know, that, and everybody's, everybody's on, on pins and needles. Cause it took the, it took the power of 20 of the team to actually confront me, <laughs> confront me in this season uh, with my, with my complete dysfunction as a leader. And I said, well, y'all really been, you've really had a nickname for me for the last year that you've been calling me behind my back. And they're like, uh, yeah. I said, okay, well, wh why? Like what? And they said, well, Darv is the leader we despise. Like he's the one that comes in and, and everybody's tense and he's tense. And he's the one that never, never celebrates. He, he never allows for us to, to be, uh, to be in a place where we're content as a team. You know, he's always on edge and it was, it, they just went through this list. I was like, okay, guys, enough. I mean, wow. thank you. Um, and of course, you know, it was a funny moment, but it was also very real, man. Cause here's the reality. Like we were up into the right as an organization, but I was down into the left as a leader. Like I was, I was not the, my best self. And, and that was a great reminder. So from then on, uh, Brad, the angel doll and Darb, the devil doll got set out on this table outside my office. And every day Michelle would come in, who was my assistant at the time, she would come in and she was like, okay, who's here today? Now she wouldn't ask me that, but she would like get a read. <laughs> and then she would, she would place the doll that represented me for that day on the table. And it was like, okay, a little more Brad and a, and a little less Darb. Hmm. And of course, if, if, if Darb was on the table, nobody would come in the office. They're like, stay away from him. <laughs> Where's everybody? <laughs> Yeah. You, you don't want to be around him today, but if, if, if uh, the angel doll was there, people are rolling in, they're like, Hey, I want to talk to you about uh, my salary for this next year. <laughs> I really need a promotion, you know? So it lately. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it, it was a, uh, it was a wake up call of course. Hmm. And it was a great way for, you know, the team to confront me on something, but that, that happens to so many of us as leaders is we we're killing it as an organization or as a team or as a, as a, um, 
you know, a division, whatever the, whatever the scenario is. But as the leader, man, I was, I was not healthy. And, but I was, I, everybody said this guys, they said, we'll follow you because you get things done. Like we, we will follow you up that mountain because we know we're going to get to the top. We would just like to be able to enjoy the journey with you and not have to feel like that you're just taking us out one by one as we walk up the mountain. Um, <laughs> you know, less, less bodies in the ditch on the side. So that, that was, that's a big one for me of, of many failures of my, of my journey. That one stands out. How, how often did you have to, when somebody new walked into the office, describe that story just when the dolls were on the table? <laughs> oh, everybody would. Cause they're like, what, what's going on with the dolls outside? Like, you, what's, what's happening? And, and, and my, my boss and, you know, like the organization that was sort of the part of the, the, uh, the group that, that owned Catalyst and, you know, had oversight there. <laughs> we, of course they were curious and I'm like, guys, I mean, this is, this is what's going on, you know, cause it's, that's another thing is you don't, you can hide that kind of stuff hmm. because you hide behind the results. Like you hide behind, Hey, look at what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, we're having incredible impact and we're selling at stadiums and arenas and we're, we're, you know, we're doing more events than we've ever done. And we're, you know, we've had more impact on leaders this year than we've ever had. And great. That's awesome, man. Praise God. But what about you? Yeah. Like, are you actually getting better as a leader? And, and what happens again for me was that I started just defaulting to places that are not healthy. And we all know this is true from all the Enneagram stuff we're now doing and personality tests. And we're so much more, we have so much more, um, capacity and capability, I think today more than ever to, to let this system actually uncover those kind of things. But if, if I would have kept going, I was, I was getting more and more disconnected from what was healthy, but I was also getting more and more disconnected from reality. And, you know, that's, that's dangerous. And I probably would have gone off a cliff at some point. You know, I would have, I would have been removed. I would have probably done something dumb, you know, who knows, but I'm really thankful that the team had the uh, courage to confront me and give me the Darb doll. <laughs> so Todd is dot. dot. <laughs> the dot. Chandler, I don't know. Yours is tough, man. Re, re, uh, yeah, I don't, rel, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Reldenach. Reldenach. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Reldenach. Reldenach. But the dot is fabulous. That's a great, that's the, for Atkins, that's a great one. The dot. Dot is easy. The dot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm moving us along. Uh, other than uh, um, H3 leadership, what book would you gift <laughs> yourself as a young leader? Oh, I definitely give me, give myself H3. Uh, I'm going to give you two that, that everybody else would say is spiritual leadership is one. Boom. I know is a favorite of yours, Todd Atkins. Yes. Oswald Sanders, the great Oswald Sanders. I had somebody, I had somebody uh, who is a more um, like a person who's known uh, asked me that yeah. question. I said Oswald Sanders, and they're like, "You, you mean like my most first highest? My most first highest? Chambers? Yeah. Like, no, it's Chambers. Yeah." No, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that would that would definitely be the one next generation leader I would put on that list too, which is Andy Stanley's the book three C's. from two thousand. What's that? Two thousand one, two thousand two, probably. That was two thousand two because we actually 
we themed the Catalyst event that year, the Next Generation Leader. Mm. And uh, that was kind of the, <clears throat> the book that we highlighted and gave everybody. And so it's still a classic. I, you know, I wish I, I would so have had that one. The Choosing of the Seven. I specifically remember the choosing, the breakdown of the Choosing of the Seven from that book. That's exactly right, man. Good memory. It also yeah. breaks down the three C's, right? Culture, competency, and character. Is that right? Is that the same book? Uh, I don't think so. Right, we're gonna it's been a while since I read it. But maybe I should That's write a that Daniel book. Move right there. C three, C three leadership. Three C leadership. You should write that, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go with I next. I don't have three eyes. Three eyes. And I maybe it's maybe it's not it's not about I. It's like I to the third is is dangerous. Anyway, sorry. That was just, that was a brainstorm on the next book that comes after H3. Chandler, you're young, comparatively speaking to Brad and myself. Uh, so what would you tell yourself? Oh, what I tell myself? Yeah. What, what would you, would I... what book, what book would you tell yourself to read as a young leader? Oh man. Chandler's an ENTJ. Me too, Chandler. Driven guy. You know, spiritual leadership, um, is up there. I would also say, and this is more for the ministry side of calling was dangerous calling by Paul Tripp. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that was a great book. Um, but it, just as a foundation, as a leader, I think good to great. I mean, it's just such a, a classic mm -hmm. to kind of get the idea of what leadership could be the, um, level five leader, uh, thinking through with humility at the, at the top. So yep. those would be three that I would share. Cool. It's a really good question though. I, I was, I should know, I should have like a top 10 list of, of the books that in your twenties you should read. So this one forced me to think I'm going to, I have to put that, put that list somewhere. Maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll brainstorm and put it out there. It'd be helpful. Yeah. I think that's it. Cause I, you guys probably get asked a lot and I do too, you know, oh, what, yeah. my, my son or daughter's 19, they're in college. What, what books would you recommend they read right now? Besides the, the textbooks they don't, they don't want to read. Yeah. What book would, should they read? And I think a big piece of that is, is it's not just what, what is popular today, but when you get that type exactly. of list, you see the classics and it's like, not just what is being promoted and that you see that somebody just wrote, but it's <laughs> lasting truths that are going to affect you. You know what I'm saying? Just if you, exactly. uh, yeah. It's like, if By you By the way, did you see that Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss is not reading any books that are published this year, this really? year. So he's yeah. saying, if it comes out this year, I'm not reading it. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Not, and I haven't dug deep to know like really the reason, but that was an interesting perspective on, on the way you learn. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to the, it's almost like he's saying, I'm going back to the classics. There's, um, it might be C.S. Lewis. I can't remember who it was, but it says for every one new book you read, read two old ones. Um, I mm. think that's a good, good philosophy to have. Well, like unless they were bad. Unless they're bad, do not read those. Don't, don't read them again. Yeah. Well, we're talking about books. Let's move to the next question, which is kind of along the same lines of of learning. But if you could teach a course on any topic, what would it be? I cannot wait to hear this answer. This is a, this is a fabulous question. I love this question. Uh, well, f the first one would be would be uh, what I learned from being a head wrangler. I was going to say the cowboy way. <laughs> It is. It's the cat. I mean, you could, yeah, you could title it the cowboy way. You could title it, uh, what, what you, what you, what you need to know based on working on a ranch. Uh, it could be spurs, chaps, 
the hat and the rest of life. I mean, there's all kinds of titles we can come up with, but uh, horses and humans, how they all, how they, how leading both actually connects uh, equally, because I'm telling you, if you're a, if you're a leader, actually, if you're a parent or if you train horses, there are so many, there are so many similarities. Like with horses, you, you make the, you make the correct thing to do really easy to do. Like you make the, you make the incorrect thing to do really hard to do. And they finally figure out, wait, that hurts or that's painful or that is, they don't like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to the area of least resistance. Um, that's just one, one little lesson right there of from, you know, from training horses. So that would definitely be like, that would be like a, a capsule class. I don't know if, if anybody's going to credit that one. <laughs> In the in the higher in the higher education world, I don't know if I'll get any accreditation. We can put it on the ministry grid. That'd be helpful. Oh, totally. <laughs> Come on, man. We'll go shoot. We'll schedule that shoot. And I and and just imagine that you like you got to wear that cowboy like outfit. I got to show up in Wrangler jeans and you know cowboy hat, tacky western shirt. I, it it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> another one I would love to. Uh, this is actually this is more serious, and that one's serious too. But start with who. Like I want to teach that class, hmm. uh, start with who, and I'm not trying to undercut Simon Sinek with start with why I'm just trying to compliment what he's saying. Right. And I think who, who you're becoming, who, who, you know, so this would be about your, your character, who, you know, the, the internal in your twenties, especially if you're, you know, if you're a 22 year old, um, and it really would be like this foundational course on, on leadership and life. So the, the, who you are, who, you know, and who you surround yourself with would probably be the subtitle. Whoville. <laughs> Whoville. Oh, I like that. Whoville. Whoville with Darb. How about who that? Oh, it's trademarked by the Saints. New, new, new class. Who dis? <laughs> uh, okay. I think people would like that class. I, th- I, th- I think we'd, ha- we'd be sold out. Oh, absolutely. For sure. That's, that's the kind of stuff our listeners are into. For sure. Absolutely. Maybe we just need to do that as a course on ministry grant. Yeah. Could happen. I mean, you know, we had 500 and some people come through Carrie's course. Yeah, like uh, 900. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. I saw my bad. On yeah, yeah. <laughs> Normally I my numbers go direction. <laughs> no, it's Normally totally I'm more pastoral with my numbers. <laughs> Uh, you guys were like packing box packing books out for like oh my seven goodness, days yeah. straight. Oh yeah. Man. We're still packing them. Yeah. I noticed that. Yep. Uh, just outside my office. People, people some. seem to, uh, people seem to, to migrate and, and, and be, uh, Carrie Newhoff has a magnet. I think he has a magnet attached to him, like a massive magnet that just sucks people in. It's also when you give a free course and free book away, a lot of people are going to sign That's up true. for that. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's, it's helpful. It is, it is Carrie. Yeah. And if we were, if we want to break that down for a minute, it goes back to some of what Brad was talking about in the beginning. Um, it's you, exactly right. We know we've known Carrie now for probably about five years. Um, and, you know, before he got just absolutely massive. Yeah. And there's no, there's not one ounce of difference in, in him and how he treats people from front on stage, off stage, backstage. He is who he is. He's Absolutely. so genuine. And, yep. you know, 
it, he does come from that point uh, that I'm sorry, posture of curiosity and genuine care and approachability with with people and. I, and, I and love Gary. And he asks questions, which is crazy. I remember like he was, you know, if we're hanging out, like he is, takes that posture of wanting to just get to know. Right. He's curious. Like you said, it's, it's awesome. And he's curious around the things that he's an expert on too. Yeah. That, that's true. what I love is, is when you're the grand poobah in an area, but you're still, you're still like asking questions that, that actually will help you be more informed and, and more of the grand poobah. True story. All right, we have a uh, a love fest. Yeah, y'all needed like y'all needed y'all needed some interns those days to uh, come in and crack <laughs> <add> those <laughs> to be sent out. Man, <clears throat> all right. So um, we will we'll make sure that uh, your new Whoville book goes Whoville. on the grid. It's a book and, and course combined. Book book on course. It's a book and combined. course, and it's also an app that you play, and it's a game. <laughs> it's a Whoville game on, uh, yeah, far, it's like Farmville except right. except with people. And uh, well, yeah, and then the Who Dis just text somebody randomly in your in your yeah, Who Dis Who Dis oh. is your uh, well, it's not your ringtone. Who dat your ringtone? No, Who Dis is the part where it uh, it texts somebody randomly in your contact list without showing you who it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we. We, we text everybody and we actually capture everybody's information and data uh, illegally. So that's just, this is, this has got a, I mean, this is, this should be on Shark Tank, guys. You know? <laughs> look, look for us in six months. All right. That's right. That's right. All right. Last question. I'll call, I'll call Mark. Uh, last question. What advice would you give a young driven college student, uh, perhaps seminary mm. student, uh, about the real world of ministry and leadership and, uh, and what, what common things should they ignore? Oh, I love this question. Love this question. So the first thing they should, they should ignore is this whole premise of follow your passion. Hmm. Uh, now you need to be aware of your passions, but you've got to combine strengths and passions with an undergirding of, of the Holy spirit and the, the God element if you follow Jesus, like you, that has to be a, a very like, um, integrated. Undergirded. Life. Yes. <laughs> you got it, man. But so much, so many people are just, they're just following what they think they love hmm. because they got to teach in eighth grade at their youth group. And they think now they're going to be a, the, the, the next great communicator in the, in the, you know, in the grand big C church. And reality is, is you're, you know, you, you have, you may have way more strengths in other places, but you think that your passion is to become an incredible communicator. So this is this whole premise that we can do anything we want to in life is true. True. But is it actually, is it actually biblical or is it actually smart? That's the question. And that's the advice I'm giving more, more often than not is, um, yes, I, I, I get it. Like you can have your own organization when you're 24 and you can be a freelancer and you can be, you know, you, there's never been more options, but because of that, you have to be so much more dialed in on what true calling looks like. And if you're only taking the passion side and you're only, you're hearing from everybody, just follow your dreams, just follow your passion. Like whatever you love, you can do anything. Hmm. Um, 
that's that's not good advice. There there are very there are things very specific to us, the way we're wired, the way we've been created, the the personality traits, all the intrinsic things, plus passion, plus sense of strength, plus sense of circumstance, plus the people. Like the thing that I know is true for me and you guys I think would amen this for yourselves. More and more more than anything else, probably that the reason I ended up in doing the things I've done is because of the people I was around. I mean, I could have done a lot of things. I could have, I, 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 I could have been a generalist. I could have ended up in a lot of industries and, uh, but because of the people I got around in my, in my twenties and even in my teens and twenties and early thirties, that actually allowed me to, um, to be on a course that I think was God breathed. So you got to take all that into account and, the other thing I would say to people is, is get some practical experience. So if, if you're in seminary and you're, you, you have gone through the, the rigors of academic life, here's what you don't have right now. You don't have any real world experience. You're, you're just a, you're just a, a, a talking head that thinks they've read some books and that's fine. Like, I love that. Pursue that but go out and like figure out how to, how to run an organization or to get around some people who actually lead people, um, go work in a business, figure out like what a PNL is. I mean, I listened to Geiger's, um, his interview Chandler with you guys on unseen leadership, yeah. which is a great, a great episode. And that was the thing he said, he said, when looking back, I wish I would have like learned how to, you know, read financials because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really have any of that. Yeah. And we, we've got a lot of, of pastors and leaders of nonprofits, of ministries that, that they understand um, the heart side and perhaps they understand like even how to lead people, but they have no clue when it comes to the head side. And so I would figure out whatever your, your area of deficiency is and lean into that, you know, so, and, and again, because we live in today's world, we can get that like, Eric, Eric said, I just went and like looked at all the syllabuses for Harvard business school and, and Wharton school and several very well-known business schools. And he just went and bought those books. Yep. He got his MBA and basically <laughs> just by looking at the syllabus. It. So, you know, that's one way to do it. That's, that's actually, most of us can't read and consume like Geiger because he's a robot. He's actually artificial intelligence, I think. Yep. Um, but, but we can go out and find people that we can learn from, you know, so those would be the two things is, uh, and I could go on with many more, but I'll stop there and let you guys respond or, or add. Yeah. My two biggest takeaways, and it goes back to even the first question that uh, you answered was you mentioned podcasts is where you're learning from. Yesterday we were in a meeting where we were looking at stats of, uh, people who are reading books and then those who are consuming, um, content through podcasts and, the stats would say, you know, people are reading books less, but they're still learning more because podcasts are now more accessible, putting the content in a different format. So what you're just saying is where, where areas where you may feel weak that you don't have experience, there is content out there for you to, to learn from and digest. But then second is kind of your whole idea of connections and, and going and asking questions. So just as you were saying about send an email to somebody to ask them if they're going to be on the podcast. I would even say if there's somebody out there, you can just email them and say, hey, I would love to get, you know, 15 minutes of your time to ask these few questions. 
And then when you do that, you're taking that posture of wanting to learn from them. So wherever you're, where you feel weak, get experienced. You can make connections with those who are ahead of you. So I think that's great advice. Yeah. I like that too. And I would, I would just, Oh, go ahead, Todd. Well, yeah. because if you tell me what questions you're going to ask me, I know you're not going to waste my time. Yeah. So, yes. and, and not that, you know, it, spending time with people is not wasted time. Spending time with your phone can often be <laughs> a wasted time, TikTok. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's, uh, so I, I want to be careful when I say that, but you will know, uh, you know, for, for leaders who are high capacity and if you're asking one of those leaders doing it in that way, I think would be really beneficial. What yeah, were you going to say, Brad? I agree. I was, I was going to say what Chandler <laughs> said is true. And, and I would probably change weakness to lack of experience. Let's Cause there's on. a difference yeah. between, yeah, there's a difference between me, um, you know, saying, well, I, I'm not really good at, counseling. Well, that might just be an intrinsic wiring that you probably don't necessarily need to go get experience in, but I, I do need to experience in understanding like, what does it look like to, to, you know, to manage a board or to have a, you know, have people that, that, that report to me, How, what does it look like to, to have like executive team meetings, you know, and leadership team meetings and how do I look at the numbers? Like, how do I understand finances? So those to me are, are experience pieces that at some point you probably will step into those kind of roles that you'll need that. And you want to have some experience before you get there. Cause most of us, we navigate into roles that we end up in and seasons we end up in and we look around and go, well, I hope nobody knows that I'm clueless and I'm just making it <laughs> yeah. up. Well, um, I only have one comment. Uh, on the second part of that question, and that is, you know, stuff you should you should ignore. And I would say, um, delegation is a cheap form of leadership. Mm-hmm. It is yes. it's development that matters. And just like I, I, I was thinking about that when Brad was talking about um, networking versus connecting earlier, because you're told to network. You're told and told and told. It's all about your network, network, network. You're told and told and told to delegate, and delegation is leadership. When the reality is, that's only it's only the second level of leadership. And I learned that yep. from good old Howard Hendricks in 2000 at, at the first Catalyst. Delegating, Absolutely. dumping, and developing. Uh, three, three levels of shared ministry. Uh, so uh, with that, Brad, do you that. have any, any closing thoughts? No, I would, I, this has been a very robust as always conversation. <laughs> and I hope there's, <laughs> I hope there's at least one thing in here that if you're a leader listening, which you are, cause you are a leader and you are listening, uh, then I hope there's one thing you're going to do differently or that you'll change or you were challenged by And, you know, that's the goal is enjoy our conversation, but also take a note or two and then put that into practice that that's if we're not applying what we're hearing, then this is just this is just white noise. So good. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening to the five leadership questions podcast. Please, please uh, check out the unseen podcast, which Brad. He just spoke on and on and on about during this podcast, but <laughs> go listen okay. to Brad's episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and many others. <laughs> and ones. many others. And many others. Yes. And uh, hop on to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya. See ya.